I hope we can be that cautionary tale in Arizona that everybody in Texas can look at us and say, we don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole. That is bad for kids. It is bad for our state. And I think that Texans will. That was Beth Lewis from Save Our Schools, Arizona. I'm Nicole Abshire. And I'm Claire Campos O'Neill. Today, we are bringing you a bonus episode of The Voucher Scam. So just to take you behind the scenes a bit, we started this podcast because we wanted to make an impact and stop school vouchers. We initially decided to do four episodes about what's happening in Texas, and we're still hard at work on those. But we were talking the other day about how it might be helpful if people knew more about the experiences happening in other states, states that have already passed school vouchers. So we reached out to some new friends in Arizona, and we'll bring you that conversation in just a minute. Before we get there, a few updates. So a lot has happened in Texas since we released episode one of the voucher scam. Governor Greg Abbott called a special session, and as we feared, education vouchers were at the top of his agenda. Of note, he didn't make any provision for public school funding. The session started on Monday, October 9th. Special sessions can last up to 30 days, so the clock is ticking. Now let's get back to this bonus episode. We're going to go to Arizona. Why Arizona, you might ask? Beth says. So Arizona has been really the tip of the spear when it comes to privatization and vouchers, and they've used us as sort of a petri dish for all of their ideas. The idea of education vouchers has been around for a long time in Arizona and really throughout the U.S., we, of course, were curious how they were marketed to Arizonans. My name is Nikki Andikovich. I'm the outreach director here at Save Our Schools Arizona. Here in Arizona, it is referred to as a empowerment scholarship account, shortened down to ESAs. So you'll hear them talk a lot about ESAs. The core of them are no different than any other voucher program. And we have seen in other states, they like to rebrand and rename because they don't like the negative connotations that come with vouchers. Sound familiar, Nicole? Oh, yeah. You might remember from episode one that in Texas, vouchers are called ESAs, but here in Texas, it stands for Education Savings Accounts. Arizona started out with a small tax credit program in 1998. In 2011, the statewide voucher program, the Empowerment Scholarship Accounts, passed and has grown substantially. We wanted to learn how Beth started to piece together that vouchers were harming public schools in Arizona. She took us back to her days as a public school teacher. I came into the classroom in 2010. So I came in at a horrific moment in Arizona where we had been cut to the bone. And I didn't understand why. All I knew was my very first day, I had 42 students. I had 35 desks. (laughs) I was not provided a projector or a laptop or textbooks or a curriculum. And I was told to just figure it out and buy everything out of my own pocket. You know, I was young. I was about to become a mom. I, I I didn't really know where to look. I didn't understand that the state legislature was so responsible for this. All I knew was my principal wasn't getting me what I needed, right? It took me years to figure out where I should be pointing my fingers you know, it's not the principal, it's not the school board, it's not the superintendent, it's the legislature that funds our schools, or in our case, doesn't fund our schools. Around the same time, Nikki also witnessed her children's public schools struggling due to budget cuts. 
as a parent, I started noticing the same things she was seeing in her classroom as a teacher. Almost the exact same time, the school supply list was a lot longer and the um, classroom sizes were bigger. And I'm like, this is, something's not adding up here. We're going the wrong way in terms of resources. And so at that point, I and most community members in Arizona had no idea it was connected to an effort to privatize public education. It was not talked about. Um, You didn't hear vouchers. Nobody said vouchers. It was just the defunding that rolled out first. And so it took years for myself and most advocates in this space to start making those connections. They're not just defunding my kids' public school. Their goal is to eliminate it altogether and push us into a privatized market, which is full of inequity and can look a lot like the Hunger Games for parents. The story feels eerily familiar. In Texas, public schools are significantly underfunded. Teacher pay is incredibly low. We have a teacher shortage. Districts are having to get creative with large classroom sizes. Beth said that the voucher proponents jumped on the message that schools were not providing what schools needed as justification for vouchers. We've had funding just completely stripped away from our public schools to the point that, you know, it becomes easier and easier for the privatizers to justify the now defunded and discredited public schools being further defunded by vouchers. So to recap, a voucher program targeting specific populations passed in Arizona in 2011. And over the years, the program grew to include more student groups. When a universal voucher program was being proposed in 2017, Save Our Schools Arizona was formed. We formed Save Our Schools Arizona in 2017 when Betsy DeVos came into our state the first time to try and pass universal vouchers. And so we were really just a grassroots group of a few moms and teachers who just kept going down to the Capitol and realized what was going on. We were really upset because our schools were so underfunded and we saw them trying to pass this bill and we were like, wait a second, like, what is this universal vouchers? That's going to completely destroy our public schools. And we kept running into the same few people. In 2017, the Arizona legislature, with the help of their governor at the time, Doug Ducey, passed legislation that further grew the state's voucher program. Save Our Schools Arizona organized and fought back. Here's Nikki. Here in Arizona, we have a couple of different mechanisms for citizens that want to create their own laws or weigh in on laws that our legislature passes. The original universal voucher expansion came out of the legislature and Save Our Schools Arizona referred it to the voters. That was vouchers on the ballot here in Arizona and went down in flames. Arizonans made it really clear they did not want a universal voucher program here back in 2018. We had to ask Nikki and Beth to explain this to us a few times. In Texas, voters do not have a way to directly create new laws or weigh in on laws passed by the legislature. We were intrigued by the direct democracy of it all. Even though voters in Arizona overwhelmingly voted against expanded vouchers, voucher proponents kept fighting. And then what happened after that? (laughs) Well, um, lawmakers, unfortunately, here in Arizona did not honor the will of voters, and they went ahead and continued to pass expansions of the existing voucher program during the legislative session. And in the last legislative session, they did a universal voucher bill again, completely ignoring the will of voters, and that was implemented here in Arizona last fall. 
In 2022, Arizona's new voucher program went into effect, which allows parents of all school-age students to use taxpayer money for private schools and homeschool expenses. Can y'all talk a little bit more about what the education landscape is looking like in, in Arizona right now? Like, let's say I move into a city in Arizona and I'm going to enroll my kids in school. What does it look like? Oh, man. Well, I think first thing for anybody coming to Arizona, be prepared for the marketing dollars that are being wasted and thrown around this program. So my social media accounts and my mailbox are constantly hit with marketing. Um, Is your kid in a failing school? Join the ESA program. Or do you you want something different? Um, All the way up to our own Department of Education is running commercials like this. And so you as a parent are immediately already just completely overwhelmed with a marketing campaign. They're wasting so much money trying to sell this to parents that it's overwhelming parents. Even with all of the taxpayer money available for all families in Arizona, Nikki still sees the public schools as the best option for kids. If you go ahead and decide to pick your public school, which I would advise every single parent in Arizona do, given the lack of protection for student safety in these privatized options, um, be prepared to defend your choice all the time. I have to tell people frequently in this work. I choose public education not because I don't have choices, because I want my kids going to school in the community where they will live with all of the community members they will live with. As we've been on this learning journey, we started to divide the financial impacts into two categories, what vouchers would mean for individual families and what they would mean for the state and us as taxpayers. We checked in with Beth about the day-to-day impacts. Now parents are waking up to the reality that the vouchers are not being used for fancy private schools. They're being used for bounce houses and whale watching trips and luxury pianos. Any idea that they had about their kid all of a sudden getting to attend this like elite private school and wear a plaid skirt has gone out the window. That school wasn't going to accept their child anyway. And now we're watching our taxpayer dollars fly out the window to things that are not educational and also things that all the other parents are paying for out of pocket, like gymnastics and jujitsu and summer camps. And the parents that are paying out of pocket are probably the ones who are the most furious right now. And they are blaming the legislature, which is really a far cry from where we were even six, seven years ago. And I think it bodes really well for upcoming elections because people are looking out to see who actually supports public schools and who's just giving us lip service. Sound familiar? It's just like Jeannie's experience in episode one in Indiana. She was paying more out of pocket for things like book fees and extracurriculars. Nikki shared even more about the financial impact in Arizona. I I did eight years as a PTA president in my kiddos elementary school. And It wasn't just the individual parent that was expected to take on more. It was also my parent group and any staff groups that were raising funds or trying to get resources. As we saw this rollout and the defunding really took hold, you saw parent groups start fundraising for things they would have never dreamt of having to fundraise for. We have parent groups here that fundraise for staff, crossing guards, playground equipment, smart boards, 
iPads, computers, all things that should be provided, right? Nobody questions that that the public schools should pay for the staff. And then you also saw community members and businesses rally behind schools as well. And they stepped in and started having to pay for large things. Like at my old school, we had a sensory wall for kiddos that were um, having a hard time regulating. We had a local community group come in and they paid to redo this, basically remodel this entire hallway for our special education kids because they needed that sensory there. That, of course, should have been funded by the state. We're being asked to do more. And our teachers, they all have GoFundMes. They know how to write grants. They're also picking up some of that slack from inside the classroom that the community can't get to. And it would be irresponsible for us to leave out the impacts this would have on populations who are already significantly overburdened. Beth had this to share. I think it's important to talk about the inequities that are worsened when parents and teachers are footing the bill because not all parents have the same amount of money. So what we're seeing is rich PTOs in fancier areas of town are building entire performing arts centers while my school is fundraising for tissues. And it can even be a disparity from classroom to classroom because I was teaching next door to a brand new teacher who's living on her own single And so I was able to maybe afford some extra books for my classroom library, able to pitch in for some new resources, right? She didn't have anything to give. And I just think it's so unfair that classrooms that are next to each other have so many disparities. The disparities are real. They are horrifying. And so we know that some kids maybe are getting what they need because Everybody's cobbled it together, but there are absolutely huge swaths of kids in Arizona that are not getting what they need. A two-tiered system. So what about the state? What about state taxpayer money? Each voucher that's universal, so not for students with disabilities, is around $7,000, which is actually more than district schools get. Initially, our legislative budget committee said it was going to cost $33 million for the first year. Last year was the first year. It cost $550 million. For the second year, they projected costs would be around $65 million. Now the Department of Education and the governor's office are projecting this school year, the second year, will cost around $950 million, so almost a billion dollars. For us, that $950 million is money that's not going to our 1 million public school students. Instead, it's going to private schools, mostly being used as a coupon for folks who are already in private school or for all of these extravagant expenditures we've been telling you about. I think there's also something that gets buried here. And I wonder how taxpayers feel about this. But when I go to my public school, that campus, that land, that building, and everything inside of it is a publicly held asset, right? It is the value for that land will always be publicly held by the taxpayers that invested in this this whatever it is, school, gym, auditorium. And that means a lot of things. It can mean the auditorium gets rental fees that help offset taxpayer expenses in that school, right? That's a great program. The fields get used by our local football league. That's wonderful. That's community. That's what you want with your taxpayer money. In a voucher program, they buy whatever they want within these very loose restrictions, and then they own that. The deal with the taxpayer is done. Taxpayers have no right to anything that they've paid for. It becomes a family's privately held asset the second they enter this program. 
We chose our title, The Voucher Scam, because we kept bumping up against the idea that education vouchers really are a scam. They can't and won't deliver what they promise. And in fact, we've seen that the stated goals of parental rights, school choice, and educational freedom aren't actually the real goals anyway. Beth and Nikki have learned the same thing. All of our voters, all of our professionals, our entire workforce will not be educated. And they also like to say, well, if you want to keep choosing your public school, then that's going to be fine. You can still have that. But they know very well that that is not true. They know that local public schools are going to close under a voucher system because the system cannot hold. It will not be funded. They're going to have to consolidate. And so it will not be everybody's choice to be able to walk to their local public school and have any sort of a quality education. And so to me, it's walking away from public education. It's walking away from democracy. It's walking away from America as we know it. And I really hope that the good folks of Texas do not fall for this. There's also one piece that really upsets me when I think about it too long, so I try not to. They're not just spending that money out of the good of their heart. They want to make money off my kid. Like they, they're not just, they don't really just want my kid in their new shiny school. They want a profit and taxpayer dollars are. There's a lot of greed behind this. Some people do it for ideology. Some people do it, I think for money and they don't really care. You know, if, if you run over the top of a kid's education, (laughs) this is a marketing ploy and it's got a lot of money behind it and a lot of great think tanks, you know, explaining how to market to the right parents so that you get the right kid that you can cut services on and take that profit home. And we'll close by sharing the advice that Beth and Nikki so generously gave. I wish that I knew that compromise in any way, shape, or form was a complete loss because they will never stop. Once they open the door, it will always become wide open. And I really wish that I knew how to effectively fight back against the talking points, like to say, no, they're not failing schools. The the lawmakers have failed them. No, they're not government schools. They're locally elected democratic schools. I do really wish that I would have known that compromise was losing every single step of the way. I wish I would have known that there were people in this country, in our communities, in our states that actually don't believe that every child should have access to a well-resourced free education. I could have saved some time in wasted rooms trying to convince people that it was wrong to leave children behind. <laughs> and, and it's wrong to leave communities behind. And it's wrong to make money off of our future, which is our young people. And we are just crossing every toe and every finger and just, oh man, just hoping for you all. Thanks again to Beth Lewis and Nikki Indikovich. We'll be back next week with episode two of The Voucher Scam. We reveal the power players behind the scenes and their motivations for passing education vouchers in Texas. The Voucher Scam was created by me, Claire Campos O'Neill and Nicole Abshire. Our producer is Michelle Dahlenberg. Michael Osborne provided production oversight. Heather Stewart is our audio engineer. We used music from Blue Dot Sessions and APM Music. Special thanks to Ever Calderon at Dawa Studios and 14th Street Studios. The Voucher Scam is a production of the Mothers for Democracy Institute.